with 25 differently themed shows hosted by local San Francisco comedians, bringing you comedians from all over the United States here. Everything will be live, live streaming and podcast post. Get your tickets, $10 a show, 25 shows, a million laughs. It's the fourth annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival brought to you by Benders, Counter Offer and Subliminal SF.
understands a man in this lonely crowd Man who says he's not to blame
mostrabas también lo que tú eras Mal hombre, tan ruin es tu alma que no tiene nombre Good morning, labor fans. <laughs> This is the Labor and Love Show. <coughs> We're coming at you from Mutiny Radio at 2781 21st Street. We do have a uh, concrete material headquarters here where we do our live radio shows. They are also uh, archived at mutinyradio.fm under archives find the show you want Labor and Love and uh, you can listen to any one of our shows going back years um, my name is The Bee and this is where we tell you how it is this is where we tell you if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for Someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table, that is, where you work, you're on the menu. And never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. Well, it's a happy uh, International Women's History Month. Happy St. Patrick's Day coming up tomorrow. Big parade today down Market Street. Celebrating uh, Irishness. Um, for our opening set there we had uh, you you last heard Malombre a song by Lidia Mendoza who was a well known figure in the 30s and 40s traveling uh, along the border in the labor camps along the border Malombre literally translates as bad man but it's a far more serious uh, name more like son of a bitch or The woman is singing about a man who took advantage of her and raped her when she was young and innocent. So much a part of our everyday news, okay? And before that, we had Nina Simone with Dylan's I Shall Be Released. He sang the song, of course, uh, with the band, I believe. But she puts kind of a whole different spin on it, and, and as she does with all her songs, she makes them her own. Before that, When Labor Calls, celebrating the work of James Connolly, the 
Irish revolutionary, labor leader, pamphleteer, songwriter, uh, martyr. A little more about Connolly later on. It is St. Pat's Day, so we'll play some more Connolly. We'll play some Sinead. We'll talk about St. Patrick himself. Who was he? Talk about the San Patricio Brigade in the Mexican War, the war on Mexico. Who is Sarah Nelson? And how did she help end the government lockout? Why are Americans going bankrupt so much more than people in other countries? It's about their health, right? Okay, well, we're going to talk about a lot of other stuff, too. This is your Labor and Love weekly magazine, Labor magazine. And what I want to do is tell you our credo here on this show. Credo one. You know, whenever you're talking about these things that affect our lives... There are always people who say, well, I'm just not that into politics. This is from DSA Los Angeles. You're just not that into politics? You're just not that into politics? Your boss is. Your landlord is. And your insurance company is. And every day they use their political power to keep your pay low, raise your rent, and deny you coverage. It's time to get into politics. It matters who or what is in control of the machinery of government. It affects you. Here's another one talking about the immigrant crisis, the invasion that Mr. Trump keeps (laughs) hilariously, idiotically referring to. Can I tell you a secret? This is from Jesse Mamere. Can I tell you a secret? I don't even care if there are undocumented immigrants in this country. Without social security numbers, they aren't privy to the welfare that people claim they get. The vast majority of them are normal people trying to live a better life. Duh! Are there people who really think that there's a general in Mexico City who's planning to overthrow the United States government by sending women and children and working people across the border? Um, On one of the news channels yesterday, someone made the remark that Mr. Trump's supporters, the people that he's doing all this for, this wall stuff... Mr. Trump's supporters are mostly white people who realize 
that the era of white supremacy, of white privilege in the United States is being questioned. It's coming under question. Witness all those people who paid big bucks to get their children into quote-unquote prestigious universities. This gives the lie to meritocracy. There's not a level playing field that anyone ever think there was. The rich, the well-to-do, the quote-unquote powerful have all these tricks all these resources at their command. And again, it's not bad for someone to get into a good university, but the myth is that there's some kind of equality of opportunity. Well, that, of course, is not true. I hope you never believed that it was. This whole wall, deport the legal, illegals bullshit is just the 1% convincing the working poor to blame a subset of the working poor for the fact that they're all poor. Why am I poor? It's because of these Mexican people who are coming across the border. <laughs> no, you're poor because the people you work for won't pay you enough money to live on. Instead of realizing the reason they are all poor is due, due to vast income inequality and resource price stagnation in combination with wage stagnation. Pardon me, that was resource price inflation. So the price of the things we want to buy are rising faster than the value of our money. Please use your brains for fuck's sake. The existence of another poor person is not why you are poor. It's because the people who control everything refuse to increase your wages. Hello? Ah, anyway, let's see what we got here. band I saw yesterday on uh, the Today Show, a band called Ranky Tanky, a South Carolina-based ensemble. And here's their song. It's called Freedom. Well, we'll have to wait a minute on that. Ranky Tanky is part of Part of the Today Show yesterday, uh, they came in. They have sort of a, well, let's see if we can get it up here. We have to wait. Mr. Trump, uh, okay. 
from South Carolina. Let's introduce you to Ranky Tanky, Charlton Singleton on trumpet, Kevin Hamilton on bass, on vocals, Kiana Parler, Quentin Baxter's on drums, and last but certainly not least, Clay Ross on guitar. Welcome to all of you. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you so much. Look, I found out about you. I read about you in, in Garden and Gun, and in that article they said, listen to Ranky Tanky is to be taken to church, but also reminding you of your secular humanity. Share a little bit of that Gullah uh, influence. Well, uh, definitely uh, where we are from in the Charleston area, you've got uh, a lot of descendants of the Gullah, uh, you know, uh, culture and everything. And um, there's definitely a heartbeat rhythm that, that's that's still there. Um, there's uh, You'll hear a whole lot of influences uh, when you listen to our music, uh, but we try to keep uh, as much uh, to the, the Gullah community with regards to the songs that they sang, poems that they did, kids' games, things mm. like that. Uh, but at the same time, we put a little unique uh, contemporary twist on it. And the language, too. You guys capture all of that. I'm a Columbia guy. You guys are all from the low country, all down in Charleston, South Carolina. Are you at all surprised at how this music is being embraced? Uh, yes and no. I think surprisingly because it has come about so fast for us, uh, being about three years in as this band. But at the same time, uh, it's something that everybody can relate to. And, and you know, no matter to, what. We can yeah, relate to we freedom. Hear it. Yes. So let's hear it. <laughs> I never know I 
What good is melody? What good is music? If it ain't possessing something sweet. Now it ain't the melody and it ain't the music. There's something else that makes this tune complete. Yes, it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. Well, don't mean a thing. All you got to do is sing. It makes no difference if it's sweet or hot. Just give that rhythm everything you got. Yes, don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. I said don't mean a thing and all you got to do is sing like Now it makes no difference if it's sweet or hot Just to give that rhythm everything you got Oh, don't mean a thing boy if it ain't got a lot of swinger
tendríamos libertad? ¿Cómo tendríamos dignidad? ¿Cómo desearía yo? yo? ¿Cómo desearía el amor? ¿Cuándo tendremos la democracia? ¿Cuándo tomemos la burocracia? ¿Cuánto desearía yo? Menos demencia y más amor Uh, Mana, Mexican rock and roll band. Uh, playing Justicia, Tierra y Libertad, which means justice, land, and liberty, freedom. The call of uh, Pancho Villa. They refer to Pancho Villa, Emiliano Zapata, in this song, for the rights of indigenous people. We are all uh, different colors, but we're all the same. We're all brothers under the skin. We'll play another one of Mana about uh, Chico Mendes. We might... Uh, talk a little about him, but <clears throat> it is St. Patrick's Day tomorrow. And there was a time in San Francisco when this was a major holiday. It still is a major holiday, um, but not like before. We would go every St. Patrick's Day whenever the parade was happening. And people would line the streets all the way from Civic Center down to the ferry building to watch the parade uh, file by all the uh, Irish-based community organizations and uh, companies, as well as uh, others. Everyone joined in in those days. And of course, it's all about St. Patrick's Day. Now, who was St. Patrick? There's so much uh, folklore built up around St. Patrick. The man lived uh, 1,600 years ago, so it's very difficult to find reliable uh, sources that tell us anything about him. But uh, here goes. This is what uh, many people agree on. Patrick was born in 381, more or less, 
he was not Irish. At that time, uh, he was born in Great Britain, the island of Great Britain. And at that time, that island, that part of it was under control of Rome. So Patrick was Patricius, a citizen of Rome. And uh, when he was 16, I believe, let's see if we can... When he was 16, he was uh, kidnapped by pirates and taken to Ireland, where he was sold, and uh, his master charged him with... Uh, taking care of his sheep. So um, one day Patrick said that God appeared to him and told him that he'd been saved, that all he had to do was walk away from his work to a port town, which was a couple miles away, which Patrick did. He went to the port town, uh, asked the sailors at a ship if they could give him passage to France, which is where they were going. He didn't want to go to France, but he told them that he wanted to get out of there. <laughs> he knew his master would come for him, and he would be returned and probably punished for having run away. The sailors laughed at him. Here's this young guy, you know. He doesn't know what he's doing late teens, early 20s. Patrick turned away and walked down the street. You know, he didn't know what he was going to do. Then at some point, one of the sailors came running after him and said that, yes, they did need an extra hand, and if he was willing to learn to sail, they would take him on. This they did. The ship was shipwrecked in France, Patrick had kept telling them to trust to God, that God would take care of them. And there they are standing in a strange country, and they say, where's your God now? We need help now. And lo and behold, what happened was a miracle in their eyes. A herd of wild pigs came running by. Now, pig at that time was the delicacy. A lot of people still consider it a delicacy. And they ate so well. Patrick, was, they persuaded. Patrick persuaded them by the appearance of these pigs. Patrick decided that he wanted to be a clergyman, that he wanted to spread the word of God. So he went to Rome and uh, was assigned the wild Irish islands. Nobody else wanted to go there. These were a dark and bloody ground. Uh, pirates, you know, clan battles, um, petty rulers rising up and slaughtering each other and slaughtering people and slavery. And so Patrick went to work and he went home for a while to England, reunited with his family, and then went to Ireland. 
And this is the part that we can really discuss in more modern terms, because at that time, as in most of the world, women were slaves to their husbands. Patrick preached equality. Patrick preached that a woman should have rights, a right of divorce, if necessary. Rights before the law. Patrick preached that Irish people, the Irish people were all one. He was one of the first to talk about an Irish nation. And by the time he was gone in 460, the Irish people were at relative peace. Slavery had been abolished. Women had equal rights before the law in many instances. Ireland had been changed. And the uh, legend that I was told when I was a kid was that Patrick had driven the snakes out of Ireland. And the snake, of course, the symbol of Satan. He'd driven Satan out of Ireland. There are no snakes in Ireland, they say. I don't know. And that Patrick used the trebo, the uh, three-leaf clover, to illustrate the oneness of God inside of the Trinity. So Patrick was, a, you know, culturally a very uh, important person. And politically as well. Now, every year the Irish would celebrate Patrick's birthday came the English. The English came with their conquering armies several, not once, but several times and just defeated the Irish and slaughtered them. And English nobles um, took away the farmland. They changed the farmland into sheep grazing land and turned the Irish working people and families off the land. So they went to the cities to be uh, urban proletariat. But the Irish people were never quiet. They never stopped asserting their right to nationhood. And one way they did that was on St. Patrick's birthday, 17th of March. They would wear green to celebrate, even though the English people who occupied Ireland, the soldiers, the black and tans, the people from the jails, promised that anything they could steal from the Irish, they could keep. They made a law that you couldn't wear green. And one of the songs that I learned as a young kid or heard sung was they're hanging men and women there for wearing of the green. So on this day, on St. Patrick's Day, these people in one area of Ireland decided they would all wear green. And the English would be so confused. They would fill up the jails. And then what would they do? Well, they did. They all wore green and asserted that right. 
So, people to this day wear green on St. Patrick's Day. And, and, if you didn't wear green, if you were afraid of the English, that would mean you were colluding with them and you would get pinched. Someone would walk up to you in the marketplace. They couldn't publicly call you out for wearing green because the English police would support them. But you could pinch them and you could say, what's the matter with you? Aren't you one of us? Aren't you proud of being Irish? So, that's the story of St. Patrick and the Irish people. To this day, those divisions persist because the English have institutionalized the invasion. Northern Ireland is um, majority Protestant. The rest of Ireland is majority Catholic. So that religious schism is in there too. Uh, the beat goes on. Northern Ireland, along with England, is going to uh, to secede from the European community, but Ireland is not. So how will that work out? At any rate, St. Patrick and the Irish people. And uh, I want to play some more James Connolly. Talk a little about him. Slaves of Toil.
And that was uh, Sinead O'Connor. <clears throat> Last we heard of Sinead O'Connor, she, she had checked into a motel somewhere in the east, New Jersey, I think. And uh, was having serious uh, mental health problems. The best to her. Uh, her work and her intensity and her militant stand for working people and for the downtrodden and for the uh, people who have been taken advantage of all over the world. Her strident uh, feminism. Anyway, Fire on Babylon. Before that, the great Paul Robeson from 1961 singing Joe Hill. I dreamed I saw Joe Hill, one of the showstoppers at uh, Woodstock, sung by Joan Baez. And before that, another James Conley song, The Slaves of Toil. And let's talk a little about Conley before we go to uh, Radio Labor. Connolly was born, uh, was a member of the IWW, leader of the Irish Socialist Republican Party, one of those uh, who spearheaded the Easter Uprising and was later uh, executed. He was born in Edinburgh, Scotland, and uh, enlisted in the army at the age of 14 served in Ireland with the 2nd Battalion of the Royal Scots Regiment during a turbulent period in the rural areas known as the Land War. This is when Irish farmers and farm workers were resisting the attempts of uh, landlords to enclose. Enclosure meant that you would close off part of the land for the sheep. And... Uh, Farm workers were turned off the land, sent to the city, went to the cities. Um, he developed a deep hatred for the British Army that lasted his entire life. When he heard that his regiment was being transferred to India, he deserted. Um, worked as a cobbler for a while. Um, became a member of the Scottish Socialist Foundation Federation, pardon me. Uh, he was a founding editor of the Socialist newspaper. Maud joined, Conley joined Maud Giffen, Griffin and Maud Gunn and Arthur Griffith in the Dublin protests against the Boer War emigrated to the United States in 1903 with no plans as to what he was going to do. Famously had a chapter of his 1910 book, Labor and Irish History, entitled A Chapter of Horrors, Daniel O'Connor and the Working Class. Critical of the achiever of Catholic emancipation, Daniel O'Connor. O'Connell. Returned to Ireland in 1910, 
and joined the movement that culminated in the Easter Uprising, which will uh, have the poem here. Like Vladimir Lenin, Conley opposed the First World War explicitly from a socialist perspective. I know of no foreign army in this country except the British government. Easter 1916 by William Butler Yeats. I've met them at close of day, coming with vivid faces, from counter or desk among gray 18th century houses. I've passed with a nod of the head, polite meaningless words, or have lingered a while and said polite meaningless words, being certain that they and I but lived where motley is worn. All changed, changed utterly. A terrible beauty is born. That woman's days were spent in ignorant goodwill. Her nights in argument until her voice grew shrill. What voice more sweet than hers that when young and beautiful, she rode to Harriers. That man had kept a school and rode on our winged horse. This other, his helper and friend, was coming into the force. He might have won fame in the end. So sensitive his nature seemed, so wild and mature his thought. This other man I had dreamed, a drunken, vainglorious lout. He had done most bitter harm to some who are near to my heart. Yet I number him in my song. He too resigned his part in the casual comedy. He too has been changed in his turn, transformed utterly. A terrible beauty is born. Hearts with one purpose alone through summer and winter seem enchanted to a stone to trouble the living stream. The horse that comes from the road, the rider, the birds that range from cloud to tumbling cloud. Minute by minute they change. Shadow of cloud on the stream changes minute by minute. A horse hoof slides on the brim and a horse plashes within it. And long-legged moorhens dive and hens to moorcocks call. Minute by minute they change. The stones in the midst of it all. Too long a sacrifice can make a stone of the heart. Oh, when may it suffice? That is heaven's part. Our part to murmur name upon name as a mother names her child. When sleep at last has come on limbs that have run wild. What is it, night? But nightfall. Oh no, 
Not night, but death. Was it needless death after all? For England may keep the faith with all that is done and said. We know their dreams enough to know they dreamed and are dead. And what if excess of love bewildered them till they died? I write it out in a verse, McDonough and McBride and Connolly and Pierce, now and in time to be wherever green is worn, transformed utterly, a terrible beauty is born. Okay, that was Easter 1916 by William Butler Yeats, commemorating and honoring the six who were executed, among them James Connolly, whose music we've been playing here this morning. Connolly was a socialist, a Marxist theorist, one of the most renowned of his time, songwriter. During the Easter Rising, beginning on 24 April 1916, Connolly was commandant of the Dublin Brigade. He was de facto com commander-in-chief of the entire thing. Michael Collins said of Connolly that he would have followed him through hell. Following the surrender, he said to other prisoners, don't worry, those of us that signed the proclamation will be shot, but the rest of you will be set free. Okay, let's uh, shift gears here and get on Radio Labor, our World Labor Report. Labor World Report, recorded on Friday, March 15th, 2019. I'm Mark Belanger. In the report this week, hundreds of trade union leaders are attending the UN's Commission on the Status of Women Conference in New York. How domestic workers in the Philippines are fighting for respect nationally and globally. The Labor Start report about union events and singing. We do the work. We do the work. This is Radio Labor. Trade union leaders from all over the world are attending a conference of the United Nations Commission on the Status of Women being held in New York. The theme of this year's conference is the role public services play in the struggle to create equality for women. One of the labor leaders attending the conference is Rosa Pavanelli. Ms. Pavanelli is the General Secretary of Public Services International. The PSI is the organization which represents public employee unions around the world. I asked Ms. Pavanelli why public services are so important in the efforts to produce equality for women. 
When we talk about women, they amplify the potential for women to access uh, the labor market and uh, to reduce uh, inequality. We live all in a patriarchal system that has been also emphasized by the globalization, despite all the discourse about women. More and more, we see that right-wing governments are reducing public services, and at the same time, they are trying to introduce legislation attacking women's rights. Whether we talk about health, education, healthcare services, social care services, child care services. We talk about what women do every day in their life, taking care of family, taking care of all those around them, their communities, the children, the parents. And without public services, the burden of all this care work is on women's shoulders. This is why we think that public services are essential to women. We need also to consider that public services are very important uh, to preserve natural resources, whether we talk about water or when we talk about uh, renewable energy in developing countries are still forced to spend great part of their lives uh, wandering around uh, looking for, uh, for water to provide their family of water or wood and other material to, to heat and prepare their meals. And when we talk about girls, the future generation, we need to be clear, they need public services for their education. The private has shown to fail in that direction. has shown that everywhere they tried to impose, even in developing countries, a model which is based on the private system, well, family cannot afford to send their children to school. And if they have to choose among women and men, a girl or a boy, they obviously choose a boy because that's the culture we continue to live in. That's why we need public services to ensure that women can have equality. We need to be clear, public services have been provided by public authorities, have been provided by government. They are a responsibility of governments. And the more we propose policies that have this gender approach, what we say gender-responsive public services, the more we can contribute uh, to reduce inequality and to enhance the role of women in the society. There are about 70 million domestic workers in the world. About 90% of them are women. They are part of a workforce that is characterized by perilous work, low pay, and abuse. See Marie Ainsborough reports on how domestic workers in the Philippines are fighting for respect and decent work nationally and internationally. I didn't want to become a domestic worker. For me, it was a shameful job. The lowest form of work I wanted to be a teacher. But I had no option. My parents are farmers. I have 10 brothers and sisters. I had to earn money to support my parents. 
That is Noelita Palasok from the Philippines. She's one of the world's 70 million domestic workers. In a recent talk she gave in Geneva, Ms. Palasok described the years of abuse, sexual harassment, and poor pay she endured as a domestic worker in various countries. She managed to send money to her parents and even save for teacher's college. She returned to the Philippines after working in the Gulf, graduated as a teacher, and got a job. I thought it was a dream job, but I earned less than I expected. My salary is lower than the salary of a domestic worker. So I quit my job and back to domestic worker again. At this time, a friend, Himaya, tried to convince me to join the union. She is a former domestic worker, but now an organizer of domestic worker. She said, Novelita, please come join the union. No, I replied. But then the second time again, she approached me. Novelita, the union can help you. And then by the second time, I said, no again. I was in denial about my situation. I still felt that domestic work was shameful. But in the end, I went to a regional meeting called the United Domestic Workers Action Group, now called the United Domestic Workers Union in the Philippines. It was an eye-opener. They tell me about my rights and responsibilities of the employer. I realized that domestic work was decent work and not shameful. So the group, which I avoided for so long, changed my life. Today, I work to make ensure that no other domestic workers experience what I did. And in 2014, I joined the union. And in 2015, I was elected as a chapter president. And in 2017, I became the national president. big responsibility, but members choose me to represent well their issues and concern. What we have achieved so far, in just three years, we have grown up to 200 to 2,000 members. This is a lot because many domestic workers are afraid of joining union. They fear that their employers would fire them if they join the union. We ensure that ILO Convention 189 and Domestic Workers Act in 2012 was implemented. We have built an organization that listens to domestic workers, promote and defend our rights. We also help domestic workers to better negotiate with their rights and to stop sexual harassment and abuse. They can tell us now that they can better negotiate rights, add for additional day offs, and pay for them their social benefits. We joined the International Domestic Workers Federation, a global half million of domestic workers fighting for our rights. And I was just elected as a regional representative in Asia, in the International Domestic Workers Federation.
here with his report about union events around the world is Labor Start correspondent Derek Blackadder. Here's a tiny sample of the hundreds of union news stories in 31 languages added to our site last week. Our top stories section included links to coverage of International Women's Day events around the world, effects on Tunisian women workers of the globalization of the textile industry, a report on the systemic repression of workers' rights in China, and the United Front unions are presenting to oppose the current Indian government as elections loom. We had news of strikes and lockouts in dozens of countries. Here are just a few highlights. Guyanese bauxite workers won a huge victory in their strike as their Russian employer not only didn't pull out of the country, but agreed to recognize their union. Hungarian public sector workers stopped work in a protest over 11 years of wage stagnation. Retail workers in the Democratic Republic of Congo struck Monday in an effort to gain an increase in the minimum wage for their sector. Customs agents were causing travel chaos at France's borders as they pressed their wage demand and attempted to draw attention to the need for more staff when or if the United Kingdom ever leaves the European Union. Bakery workers in South Africa declared a victory in a strike that started last November. The women who clean public schools in parts of Spain escalated their fight for gender wage parity and against the privatization of their jobs into a full-blown strike this week. Public sector doctors struck in Bolivia over a lack of progress in wage negotiations. And in the same country, taxi drivers were parking their cars to demand an increase in the fees they are able to charge passengers. Our top working women's stories included coverage of a strike over sexual harassment at pharmacy warehouses in Australia, a global study of the effects of the privatization of public services on women and girls, and the obstacles Japanese women workers and their unions face in achieving workplace equality. The free health and safety newswire we offer in cooperation with Hazards magazine carried stories to hundreds of union websites around the world about the reaction of airline unions to the Ethiopian Boeing crash, including the job action by the Argentinian Pilots Union as it organized a mass work refusal by those of its members assigned to the 737 MAX aircraft and more workplace violence in Canadian hospitals. Currently, Labor Start is running seven online actions. Take just a few seconds out of your day and join thousands of trade unionists around the world in helping workers make their lives better, or even help save those lives. This is Derek Blackadder from Labor Start, reporting for Radio Labor. Now here is John Fromer with We Do the Work. We plant the food We drive the cab We load the ship We run the lab We build the bridges We fly the plane We do the work This is our day We do the work We do the work We do the work This is our day 
sell the goods. Yes, we do. We lay the stone. We do the work. This is our home. We do the work. 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 This is our That's it. International labor news you can use. I'm Mark Polanche. Thank you for listening. And remember, it's all about global solidarity.
Okay, that was our second uh, second Mana song. Cuando los ángeles lloran, when the angels cry. Song written in honor of Chico Mendes, a labor leader in the um, Amazon jungle who strove to stop the uh, cutting down of the Amazon jungle in order to preserve his labor and the labor of the other tappers. That's the uh, people who live in the Amazon jungle and tap the uh, rubber trees, a major industry in Brazil. Chico Mendes was killed, the song goes. He was a defender and an angel of all the Amazons. He died cold-blooded. The president knew it, and also the police. When angels cry, the rain falls over the village, rain over the campsite, because somebody died. An angel fell. An angel died. An angel is gone and won't come back. When the murderer was running away, Chico Mendes was dying. The jungle was drowning in cries. He left two beautiful children, a brave wife and jungle in agony. When angels cry, it's because of each tree that dies. Mana singing about Chico Mendes. Okay, the St. Patrick's Battalion, which I referred to, San Patricio Battalion, was formed and led by John Ryland. Now, we're talking about the war on Mexico in the 1840s, 1846. And at that time, a large number of the troops in the American army were immigrants, men, a lot of them from Ireland, uh, a lot of them deserted. I mean, okay, so you're an Irish guy and you had to move off your land because the uh, rich people came, decided that it would be better to have sheep there and produce wool, right? And that you would be better in... Uh, working in some factory in some big uh, industrial town in England, working your life away. So you immigrate to the United States, you get drafted or you join the service because that's a way to go. And immediately there's a war, a war at basis to extend slavery composed of mainly of Catholic Irish immigrants. There were disenfranchised Americans, including escaped slaves from the United States. Only a few of them were actual U.S. citizens. The San Patricios are honored both in Mexico and Ireland. Okay, the San Patricios were heroes who came to their aid in an hour of need. For Americans of that generation, the San Patricios were considered 
traitors. Successive Mexican presidents have praised the San Patricios. Numerous theories have been prosed as their motives for desertion, including cultural alienation, mistreatment of immigrant soldiers by nativist Americans, brutal military discipline, being forced to attend Protestant church services, One of the main notions was the shared Catholicism. At any rate, the San Patricios joined the Mexican army and fought against the invading American forces. Uh, some were caught in... Uh, some were caught in um, court-martialed. Two separate courts martial were held. 72 men were immediately charged with desertion. One soldier claimed he was forced to fight by the Mexicans after he was captured by them was sentenced by death to firing squad instead of hanging. Anyway, those who survived either made lives for themselves in Mexico or returned to their home nation, such as Ireland. Some former San Patricios found work at the arsenal in Guadalajara making gun stocks. At any rate, the men have continued to be revered. The San Patricio Brigade, an early connection between Mexico and Ireland. Well, let's take a quick look at uh, some of our Labor and Love radio shows. Here's one, the number of people who filed bankruptcy because of medical bills from different countries, UK zero, Japan zero, Norway zero, France zero, Taiwan zero, USA, 4,872,487 people filed bankruptcy because of their medical bills. Hey, wake up. The U.S. and only the U.S. is where greed is ascendant over people's health. Real unionism from a woman named Sarah Nelson. Looking back on the uh, government lockout, all that time the government was not funding, was not funded. People were locked out of their jobs. And Sarah Nelson, Association of Flight Attendants International President, said... It's time for a general strike. A general strike. They've locked us out. Go on strike. I'm sure that had something to do. A big, big reason why the uh, lockout, the uh, government impasse was solved right after that. 
Nelson says, every person is equal with a union contract. Sex and race discrimination are the boss's tactics, tactics to deny us the power of solidarity. Our labor movement can deliver the promise of equality and in doing so, build power for working people. Women, join unions, run unions. We are so much better together. Sarah Nelson. We didn't talk much about the teachers' strikes today, it being uh, St. Patrick's Day. But here's a takeaway from Seth Myers, a late-night comic, I guess. If there's one takeaway from the last few weeks of politics, it's this. Don't fuck with teachers. They make no money, and they get up at 6 a.m. to drive their 15-year-old cars to a cruddy building knee-deep in teenage hormones. You can't scare them. The part of them that is capable of fear was burned away years ago by terrible teacher's lounge coffee, and all they want is health care, a livable wage, and just once, a class that doesn't laugh the first time they hear the word Uranus. <laughs> Good one. Bella Lugosi, actor, union leader, anti-fascist. Hungarian actor Bella Lugosi, who was uh, Dracula, uh, iconic. Hungarian actor Bella Lugosi was crowned Hollywood's Prince of Darkness for his portrayal of the vampire Count Dracula in several films. But today, few people know he was a union leader and an anti-fascist who fought real-life monsters. He became famous in his native Hungary, became the Laurence Olivier of Hungary, according to some people. Fought in World War I, listed in the Austro-Hungarian army. Daily existence in Hungary was a nightmare few could escape. He supported the 1919 revolution, which founded a socialist government. It was overthrown in 1920. Lugosi led a demonstration of actors in March 1919 and emerged as a high-profile organizer. He was instrumental in founding the Free Organization of Theatrical Employees, which later expanded into the first film actors' union in the world, the National Trade Union of Actors. Came to the U.S., uh, became famous when he portrayed Dracula on stage. He played an active role in the Screen Actors Guild. He organized the union for the set of The Raven, which co-starred Boris Karloff, an SAG member who was famous for portraying Frankenstein's monster. Because he claimed Nazism has to be wiped out everywhere. Bella Lugosi. anti-fascist the Winnipeg general strike we, I wanted to talk about that and uh, 
It's just a little late right now, so we'll take that up next week. And here's a quote from John Maynard Keynes, the uh, great theorist of uh, deficit spending. His ideas were the basis for the New Deal. And Keynes said of capitalism, it's the extraordinary belief that the nastiest of men for the nastiest of motives will somehow work for the benefit of all. It's like trickle-down economics. The curious notion that letting your boss keep even more of the profits from your labor will somehow magically turn into you keeping more of the profits from your labor. <laughs> the curious notion that letting your boss keep even more of the profits from your labor will magically turn into you keeping more of the profits from your labor. Finally, read them and weep. A chart that shows how far behind America is in paid time off compared to the rest of the world. Days of annual leave, zero in the U.S. Mexico, six days. Canada, 10. Israel, 11. Japan, 10. Australia, 20. South Korea and Chile, 15 days of annual leave each. Paid annual leave, 25 in France, 28 in the United Kingdom. Here in the U.S. we have 10 holidays. Uh, some are paid and some aren't. 25 in the United Kingdom, 25 days of annual leave and 9 days of holidays. Way to go. Okay, that's about it today for Labor and Love. It's certainly been a pleasure being here. And I want to play, uh, we used to go out with uh, Carrie Miraji. Last week we went out with uh, Coco Taylor. So let's go out this time with Kaori. The Internacional will unite the human race. This is the B signing off. Remember, if one person gets a dollar they didn't work for, someone else worked for a dollar they didn't get. If you don't have a seat at the table, the negotiating table where you work, you're on the menu. Never, but never let anyone into your heart who is not a friend of labor. And when I say labor, I mean you. Labor and Love Radio, where the labor meets the road. Okay. Vita Silvia. Solina. Everybody out there, you know who you are. Have a good week and good work. This is the B signing off.
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a pattern? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Asiento, take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas, and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is darn good special happy hour prices all night long with your mutiny radio comedy festival ticket march 1st through 5th check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com come take a seat i had a date there and it did not go well but it wasn't the fault of the place they're very nice asiento For a burger, Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Subliminal SF Visual and Auditory Mind Control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind-bending local bands and shows at venues all over San Francisco and the Bay Area. Subliminal SF is here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF.
Welcome. Bender's Bar and Grill, located at 806 South Van Ness in the Mission District of San Francisco. Your favorite bar with awesome bartenders, rotating local art, and a killer back patio. It's a great place to hang out and play one of their two pool tables or old school pinball machine with a tasty adult beverage. Live music every Saturday for only $5. Bender's brings you face-melting metal and rock and roll. The last Friday of the month, Punk Rock and Schlock delivers super fun karaoke with Aileen. Come on, what's not to like? They even have counter-offer inside, frying up the tots with sexy hot burgers for your face. Open every day at 2 p.m. Their happy hour goes till 7 p.m. Bender's is proud to be a sponsor of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival because they're an awesome community asset to the dirtbags who keep art alive in the mission. Bender's Bar and Grill. Hi, welcome to My Limited View. I am your host, Sergio Novoa. And I'm your co-host, Vanessa Wilkins. Join us every Tuesday from 12 to 2 at mutinyradio.fm as we share stories, our personal stories. And struggles and challenges. And we'll also have guests come in and share their stories. And hopefully through all this, we can expand our view. Or your view. Yes, and there'll be plenty of dick jokes, so don't worry. It's not always going to be heavy. Yeah, I might even share black hair tips. Black hair tips. Don't know anything about it. Sorry. All so, on my limited view. Yes. Every Tuesday from 12 to 2. Uh, oh, you can if you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Oh, yeah. And Google Play. And Stitcher. iTunes. Oh, you already said that. TuneIn Radio. Uh, Stitcher, you said that. Spotify. Oh, my God. There's just so many. And Overcast. Um, yes, you can also find us on social media, M as in Mary, L as in Larry, P as in Peter, podcast, MOV podcast is our handle. Until next time, I hope you're enjoying your view. Yes. Bye. Bye. That, that kind of sucked balls. Good evening there, my friends, here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's Deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere $5 every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because $5, I mean that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere $5 is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere. Like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse. Or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? It's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Billy Bob, you ever want to be funny? Well, my dogs think I'm funny, Daryl. Well, I mean, you ever want to be 
Like in front of an audience? Like other than like squirrels, dogs, and dead peasants? Oh, shoot. From time to time, I've been giving it a thought of two. You know, if you go to joke workshop, there's more than two peoples paying attention to your jokes, and they ain't even gonna be jerks about it. Daryl, are you serious? I can get people to listen to my jokes? And they'll even say nice things to you before they tell you how to get improvements. No way. What is this dag nabbit thing called? It's Joke Workshop. Joke Workshop? Yep, every Monday, 6 to 8 p.m. on the Mutant Radius. So you're saying I could tell my jokes every Monday from 6 to 8? That's what I'm saying.